hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. I'm your host, Randy Sharman. One place that is high on my destinations to visit list is the island of Fiji. So on our podcast this week, we'll head to the tropical island of Fiji to visit the Nanuku Resort Fiji and see what it's like to spend a few days in paradise. Plus later in the podcast, our good friend and travel expert Wolf Ponick will join us to give us some insight on visiting Belgrade, the capital and largest city in Serbia. But to begin, did you know that August 23rd is National Cheap Flight Day? Yeah, I know. I wish every day was Cheap Flight Day. But it's coming up on Tuesday. So joining us now to explain what National Cheap Flight Day is and how it raises awareness for cheaper flights in general, and also giving us a few tips on saving money when booking a flight, is Daniel Hader. He is the Senior Product Manager with Cheapo Air. CheapoAir.ca is the website. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Randy. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. Well, uh, thanks for doing this. What is Cheap Flight Day anyway? National Cheap Flight Day. I think uh, every every day should be National Cheap Flight Day, but it's not always the yeah. case, is it? Oh, I wish it was. I wish it was. It's an, so it's an interesting one, and it's something that maybe not all of, all of uh, everyone's aware of. But National Cheap Flight Day really originated from the trend where airlines will drop their prices following the peak summer travel season. Um, so historically, this is the time of year when the summer travel rush is coming to an end and airlines are looking to really reel in travelers with great deals either for the fall or even for the end of year holidays. Mm-hmm. And at CheapAware.ca, our mission has always been to help customers save on travel so they can spend more during their actual vacation when they get to the place they're going to. Um, so we're really excited about it, given you know the similarity to our name, CheapAware.ca. We kind of see ourselves as ambassadors for Cheap Flight Day. So we're really happy to promote this and hopefully help Canadians um, looking to get more of their hard-earned money. Uh, It seems to me it's not a coincidence that uh, Cheap Flight Day just happens to be on a Tuesday. There's always been this sort of, I don't know if it's a myth or not, that uh, the best day to book a flight is on a Tuesday. Is that true? Um, So I don't know if the best day to book a flight is a Tuesday. That's not something I can say that I could prove. Um, (laughs) But certainly certainly traveling during the week is one of our top pieces of advice. And it's one of the things I always share with anyone who uh, who's asking about saving on travel. It's one of our biggest tips is if you can if you can travel during the week, like on a Tuesday or any weekday, rather than traveling on weekends. That's one of our best tips for saving. And with more and more Canadians and people around the world now um, who have, you know, maybe greater flexibility, maybe you're working from home and you have a bit more flexibility. um, Yeah, traveling during the week is one of our top uh, money-saving tips for travel, absolutely. Uh, And flexibility is another, too, right? That always comes up. If you want the best deals, uh, best to be flexible. Totally. So if you can be flexible with the dates, and again, you know, traveling during the week is the top way to do that but also other types of flexibility. So if you're happy with a layover, you know, if you're traveling maybe long distance to Europe or somewhere like that, and you're happy to have a layover, often there are significant savings having a layover. So that would mean that you would fly and you would change in a different airport before getting to your final destination. Um, And also something customers don't always think about, but a lot of the bigger cities that you might travel to have multiple airports. If you're flying to London in the UK or somewhere like that, there are multiple airports sometimes that you can choose from. Check out the different deals into those airports. 
sometimes nearby airports, airports that are nearby to the one that you're initially considering, can also bring significant savings. And those usually drop down in the menu bar, don't they? Like uh, if you're putting in the the city you're going to, say London, for example, England, um, it'll drop down the different airports, right? Correct, correct, yeah. I mean, the easiest way to do it is really to go on to a website that allows you to, to compare, find, find different deals and compare them. So online travel agencies like the one that, that I work at, so cheapaware.ca, um, we'll make all of that really easy for you. So if we know that there's an alternate date or an alternate airport that's going to give you some savings, we'll actually we'll, we'll, we'll display that to you and we'll make sure that it's very clear that that's what it is. But we'll give you that option of saving by making one of those choices. And if you can, uh, if you do have uh, different uh, points or uh, travel miles or whatever the uh, case may be, you can use those too. Absolutely. So this might be directly with the airline, Air Canada or whichever, whichever airline you're using, but also with the online travel agencies like cheapaware.ca, we have these loyalty programs and they really help you save over time. And they have lots of other great benefits, often sort of deals that are exclusive to loyalty program members. So also definitely worth checking out loyalty programs as a way to save over time. So sign up with cheapoair.ca. I can do that? Absolutely. So you can check us out on the website, cheapoair.ca. You can join the loyalty program there. Also, if you have a smartphone and you prefer to have the app on your your, your smartphone, you can go ahead and download the app and sign up for the loyalty program there too. Yes. Well, here's to uh, cheap flight day and to every day being a cheap flight day, although it's not always the case. But uh, Daniel Hader is the senior product manager with CheapoAir.ca. Again, that's the website, CheapoAir.ca. Thanks for the tips, Daniel. That's great. Thanks a lot for your time, Randy. Well, as I mentioned, one place that is high on my destinations to visit list is the island of Fiji. For many, including myself, it can only be described as paradise. And one spot to stay while visiting Fiji is the Nanuku Resort Fiji. So joining us now to tell us more about visiting Fiji and staying at the Nanuku Resort is Logan Miller. He is the general manager of the Nanuku Resort Fiji. The website is nanukuresort.com. Hi, Logan. Bula, Bula from Fiji. I was going to ask, is there a specific uh, phrase you use to greet people in Fiji? So what is it? It's uh, it's Bula, Bula. B-U-L-A. That's um, <laughs> Fiji's, Fiji's version of Aloha. It's uh, you know it means life. It means uh, health. It's uh, it's our greeting and uh, our farewell as well. Well, excellent. Uh, what's it like living in paradise, by the way? Because it seems to me that uh, anybody living in Fer- in Fiji would be living in paradise. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous here. You know, we we feel. Uh, very happy that our borders are open again and uh you know we have visitors uh you know coming from all over the world um but uh, to to be here full time certainly is uh, pretty special we have uh you know amazing beaches beautiful weather and just the most kind and uh you know happy people as well which is lovely <laughs> i think it all goes hand in hand if the weather's beautiful and you got beaches to go to everyone's happy all the time right so <laughs> that's it definitely uh, lightens the mood that's for sure let's talk about the nanuku resort fiji uh give me some background on the new nanuku resort how long it's been open where it's located and most importantly how do you get there 
Yeah, absolutely. So we have, um, we'll start off with, uh, you know, who we are. Mm -hmm. We're a uh, 37 um, rooms, uh, residences, suites, and villas. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are located on the southern end of the main island of Fiji. So we have, uh, once you land in Fiji at Nandi International Airport, we're only... Uh, a short 20-minute flight um, from the international airport. We're also accessible by vehicle, um, and we can organize a private transfer. But it's uh, it's about a two-and-a-half-hour drive, a beautiful coastal route through villages, and and uh, all you know you see all the kids coming out of school and things on the side of the road. It's it's a it's a beautiful place to be. Well, I'm sure it is, and I, get you, I, I bet you would just get a, a good flair for what the island is like if you're, if you're driving two and a half hours to see all that to get to your resort, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you come through uh, all the different uh, climates, uh, or not climates, but different locations mm-hmm. uh, as you're driving along the coast, and you see come through the hills and then the sugarcane fields, and then, you know, along the coast, along the coral coast, they call it. Uh, is is the the last part of the drive there? So it's a, it's a beautiful beautiful coastal route. Let's talk about the accommodations themselves. You mentioned I think you said thirty seven. There's different styles that you offer. Uh, so explain a little bit more for that. Absolutely. So our residences and suites, uh, you know, multi bedroom uh, options are available. These are set in you know really lush tropical gardens, all beachfront uh, beach frontage. Um, and then, you know, this wonderful traditional Fijian architecture, really authentic feel so that when you arrive to Nanuku, you know that you're in Fiji and you're greeted with our, our warrior welcome um, and you're escorted off to these, you know, beautiful accommodations throughout the property. Our villas are uh, uh, a more newly built product. These actually opened midway through 2019. Um, so they are, you know, basically untouched. They were operating for about six months before everything shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're very happy to have these back online again. These are really kind of a, a more contemporary feel to them, really bright and airy. Um, and again, you know, there's, there's beachfront options. These also have garden options and multi-bedroom uh, facilities as well. What are some of the activities your guests enjoy doing and, and that you can arrange? So what's wonderful about Nanuku is that we're actually located in what's called the soft adventure capital of Fiji. Um, and we're perfectly positioned between the rainforest and the reef. Uh, so the activities here are, are basically endless. Um, you know, I always like to talk about the contrast of the green and the blue. So you could start off your morning with a, uh, a sunrise hike to the waterfall and then be having a uh, private picnic lunch out on our private island. Uh, so you can do the full spectrum. You know, there's uh, whitewater rafting, there's snorkeling, there's hiking, um, there's zip lining, there's just, you know, a multitude of activities available. We also have our uh, very own marine scientist on property. Um, so if you wanted to, you know, tread with a lighter foot and, and learn a little bit about the um, the wonderful projects, sustainability projects that we're doing as well, our marine scientists can also take you through that or just take you snorkeling or just chat about Fiji in general. Mm-hmm. So who is your typical visitor? 
We um, do have a lot of visitors from North America. Um, you know, we have daily flights out of L.A. We have uh, flights from San Francisco. And then starting in November, we will have flights from Vancouver as well. Um, so it's great to um, be able to welcome our North American visitors. And then also Australia, New Zealand being our Pacific neighbors. You know, it's kind of a, a short haul destination um, mm-hmm. for, for the Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, a good mix of uh, international guests, right? Yes, absolutely. And we're, we're very family-friendly as well. So depending on the season, we could pretty much have all couples in-house or we could have, you know, majority families in-house as well. We have a, a fantastic kids club um, that's open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And what's really special about this kids club is that any guest visiting us get a one-on-one nanny included in the rate for all children under eight years old. <laughs> so if you're coming with three kids, you know, like age two, four, and six, uh-huh. you get three things dedicated to your family from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day. So <laughs> it's a great way that, uh, you know, mom and dad can actually have a vacation within the vacation itself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what is the best time to visit Fiji? Do you, is there a monsoon season or, or is it just always nice there? It's it's pretty temperate, you know. It's it's pretty nice year-round. It's never really a, a, a cold or a hot season. We do have um, what I, I guess you could call it like the wet season or the, you know, the, the tropical season. Um, but generally year-round. Our busiest times of year are the North American winter. I'm uh, sorry, North American summer, mm-hmm. uh, which is our winter time. So it's less humid. The temperature is a little bit more consistent, um, you know, so from about uh, June through September is kind of our, our busy season uh, here in Fiji. And then obviously Christmas as well is, is always very busy and, and popular. Mm-hmm. Well, I am looking at your website, uh, nanukuresort.com, at some of the images on your gallery. It, it absolutely literally is paradise um, uh, but it's always fun to uh try local cuisine uh, what's on the menu tonight in your restaurant oh yeah of course um so we have we celebrate pacific rim cuisine here in fiji um and it's all about the freshest local ingredients whatever we can catch in the benga lagoon what we can find in the rainforest and the gardens around our, our uh, property as well this is, you know, this is our cuisine here on property. Um, you know, the freshest of fish, the most wonderful tropical fruits, pineapples and bananas like you've never tasted before. Um, <laughs> just really, really stunning and just vibrant flavors. Um, what's really cool as well is around the property, we have these destination dining locations. So you can dine out on our Sunset Point. You could dine in your villa. We have a cliffside destination even dining in a hundred-year-old tree leaning over the ocean, leaning over the reef. So this is a really fun way to kind of, you know, just escape from the normal restaurant dining experience. You Mm -hmm. can actually book and and dine out in these fabulous destinations as well. Yeah, well, it all sounds so fabulous. Again, uh, if you want to get some uh, good images on there, just go to the uh, Nanuku Resort Fiji website, nanukuresort.com. Anything else you want to add? We only have about uh, a minute or so. Thank you, Randy, for your time. And, and I just want to uh, encourage everybody to check out our website 
and um, you know, look into Fiji. We're a beautiful island destination, and you know, like I mentioned, regular flights out of North America. Um, so we just look forward to welcoming uh, you know more visitors to our shores, and especially to Nanuku Resort Fiji. Thank you. Uh, Logan Miller is the general manager of the Nanuku Resort Fiji. Again, the website nanukuresort.com. It was uh, a pleasure chatting with you, Logan. Logan, thank you for uh, making the time. Vinaka vakalevu. That's many thanks. And sototale is see you soon. Perhaps one of the lesser known but still very picturesque and historic cities to visit in Europe is Belgrade, the capital city of Serbia. And our good friend and travel expert Wolf Ponick recently visited there. And Wolf was kind enough to join us now to share some insight and tips on visiting Belgrade. You can follow his adventures both on Instagram and Twitter. Hi, Wolf. Hello, Randy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. We haven't talked for a long time, but I was uh, following you on Instagram and on Twitter and and some of your uh, photos and some of your things. You've been traveling a lot, uh, mostly, uh, well, through Europe and everything, but mostly uh, we want to talk about Belgrade in uh, Serbia. It, it was ranked as TripAdvisor's uh, best places to visit for 2022. So let's let's narrow it down to Belgrade. What do you like about visiting Belgrade? Uh, great, great idea, Randy. I, I like a lot of things about Belgrade. It's a, my birth uh, city, and I've lived a um, good part of my life in Belgrade since I moved to Europe and then to Canada. I've been going back home to the kind of ancestral home often. And I have to say the TripAdvisor is super right because Belgrade has really evolved into a very, very interesting destination for, say, a week-long, even two-week-long uh, trips for following reasons, and those then can ask me questions. Mm-hmm. Um, the location of Belgrade, it's in southeast Europe, so it's barely uh, an hour flight from Munich or from Vienna or from Rome. So it is very centrally located. The setting is absolutely wonderful. Belgrade is a capital of Serbia, a reasonably large city, close to 2 million population, situated at the confluence of Sava River, S-A-V-A, and Danube. Danube is the longest European river. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, that's, that's the kind of geographical location and beautiful setting that kind of explains and has a lot to do with the history of Belgrade. At the very confluence, there is a hill. At the top of the hill, there is Belgrade Fortress. It's called Kalemegden. And it basically dates back to pre-Roman times because Belgrade and Serbia were always at the crossroads of political turmoil in Europe between Byzantium and between the Turks and between the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So unfortunately, the city has been hardly ever without any war for longer than 50, 60, 70 years. But it has preserved many, many remnants of different rulers, of different cultures, uh, both in material fact as much as in kind of cuisine, some sort of traditions and whatnot. So it's a very cosmopolitan city. Mm -hmm. It's kind of regional right. You know, it's very well-known neighboring countries. People love to come to Belgrade. And as of recently, it has been discovered by global travelers 
from China to North America to Israel. Everybody likes to come to Belgrade as it offers an amazing entertainment and nightlife and cuisine. Well, yeah, I would think uh, you would have to spend at least a week there just to soak in some of the culture, learn about the history, see some of the attractions. What are some of the the main attractions that uh, people would really miss out if they didn't go visit there? Uh, the, the Belgrade Fortress is definitely a must because it kind of offers absolutely gorgeous view of the confluence of the two rivers. The fortifications, uh, some of the oldest ones are from Roman and some pre-Roman times. Then they're followed by stone remnants, which are the Ottoman time. Then by the brick uh, fortifications, which are the Austro-Hungarian and then Serbian and then Yugoslavian, because Belgrade was also a capital of Yugoslavia. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Not to miss, there is a street. It's called Bohemian Quarter of Belgrade. The name of the street is Skadarska Street, but it is known as Skadarlia. And there you have probably the biggest concentration of national restaurants with music, with traditional Serbian music anywhere in the world. There is practically a restaurant with a patio every 10 meters. So there's about 40 of them. The food that is served there is typical Serbian and kind of Central European fare. The music is traditional Serbian uh, type of um, uh, ballads and and kind of dance music, a combination of folk and kind of urban styles from the uh, 18th, 19th and the 20th century. The place works until 1 a.m. Then the musicians go out and they serenade the guests until about 3 a.m. Then the gypsy bands come out and they kind of serenade the guests as they're leaving. And then the guests continue singing. How do I know it? One of the Airbnbs that I rented this summer was at the beginning of of Skadavlia. So needless to say, I didn't sleep all that well. But on the other hand, I could just uh, buy a beer, sit on the balcony and enjoy the music and enjoy the Movida of Belgrade. <laughs> I was just going to say, you, you probably <laughs> never, you never sleep there. <laughs> you never sleep there. The other thing I'd like to mention, and I did it, I do it every, every now and then, but this time I was with my daughter. Uh, being the capital of Yugoslavia, Belgrade has a museum which is not on the beaten kind of track. It's a little bit lesser known. Mm -hmm. It's called the Museum of Yugoslavia. And it basically describes the history of Yugoslavia from 1941 until the death of Marshal Tito, who was the lifelong president of Yugoslavia. So it kind of explains the story of Yugoslavia. It explains the, the whole lore of Marshal Tito as he was immensely popular while he was the president of Yugoslavia. I mean, I can attest to that. I was born and, and, and educated and raised in that country. Mm-hmm. And it does give a, a visitor a very different perspective and kind of explains a little bit of what they may see in modern-day uh, Belgrade or modern-day modern, modern day, um, capital cities of former Yugoslavia, such as Zagreb, Ljubljana, and other places. I recommend it, especially now that people are interested in kind of retro history and history before the internet era. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very, very interesting, uh, a little spot. Um, and in addition to that, if you want to go in Belgrade for a swim, Belgrade's on the rivers, uh, you don't really even need to go to the coast, to the sea, because Belgrade has a beautiful artificial lake, which is about three kilometers from the city center. 
And it is huge. The uh, rowing competitions, like Olympic-class rowing competitions or mm -hmm. World Cup-class rowing competitions are held there. So it's a beachfront of about probably total of maybe five or six, maybe, not maybe, maybe four or five kilometers of Pebbly Beach, dotted with cafes that offer uh, umbrellas and, and, and drinks and whatnot. So you can go and, uh, and spend uh, in that week in Belgrade. You don't have to only sightsee and load up on super heavy meat-dominated Serbian cuisine. You can also go for a swim. <laughs> uh, when is the best time to go there? Uh, you know, if you're talking about swimming, does it ever get cold? Or is it it always... does get cold. Belgrade yeah. has a, a continental European climate, which means in winters it does have some snow in, in, in January and February. Mm -hmm. uh, the best time to go for us Canadians or North Americans who are used to uh, not very hot summers uh, and who are used to air conditioning. There's a lot of air conditioning in Belgrade. Mm -hmm. I would say May June, early July, July and August tend to be pretty warm. I would say hot, the temperatures would be above 30 to 33. So they would be centigrade. Mm -hmm. So it can be, it can be warm, but as I say, it's really, you know, people go from Canada to Mexico during the summer. It's yeah. not warmer than in Mexico. So it's really everybody's cup of tea. However, if you're looking for refreshments in terms of non-alcoholic, in terms of ice cream, in terms of million types of coffee, and then alcoholic, rest assured, if you decide not to feel hot, you will find means to fend off the heat easily. <laughs> and getting there, I would imagine, is, is not too difficult. It's a major city in, in Europe. So, it's you know, a major you... city and major regional airport. Uh, typically, uh, you, you fly either through Frankfurt, if you're flying AC, or through Rome, or you can fly Turkish, but that would be backtracking. It's basically one connection. There's still not a direct flight to Belgrade, which mm. I think is uh, a bit of a overseen opportunity by AC and maybe Air Serbia because it seems that they cannot get kind of into a full agreement. Um, so it's very easy. One connection flight, six-hour time zone difference. So it kind of you get over it very quickly, especially if you are near Skadarlia Street where music is playing until the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> well, you got to love the music and the few, uh, food. Is, is language an issue? Language is not an issue. People speak English very frequently. It's absolutely super easy to get around. There's a lot of uh, signs uh, that are in English and in Serbian. In all of the major museums and galleries, the signs are in English and Serbian. So English is widely spoken and widely accepted. And, and Serbs are very hospitable people. Uh, foreigners are really having no difficulty when they're asking for directions, when they need a little bit of, of, of guidance or a little bit of help. And the tourist office of Belgrade and Serbia, I believe, is doing a very good job in kind of promoting not only Belgrade, but also the other parts of, of Serbia. It's a small country, but there's a lot to see. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like it. we could probably go on forever, but uh, time is our enemy as always. You're always very knowledgeable, and it's always great to chat with you. Wolf Ponick, you can follow him on Instagram, Twitter, his adventures there. Uh, appreciate your time, Wolf. Thank you, Randy. Always a pleasure, and I hope uh, I will inspire some of our listeners to expand their travels to Europe to lesser-known countries and cities such as Belgrade. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show. 
which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website, theinformedtraveler.org. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know, leave a review, tell a friend, or you can drop me a line. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.org. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler or follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.org.